Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivy, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey guys, Dog Speak here. Britt, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We um <laughs> we did not get <laughs> Britt just snorted. Um so yeah, we've been trying to start the recording of this. For a few minutes now, uh, so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get through this. We're gonna get through this. Um, so we're gonna get this one recorded for this week, and then hopefully another one for next week as we're going out of town. I'm not even gonna do my Boston accent. This I think time. you should because I'm I, just not even. I just thought it was really good though. I'll Where just, are we going? To Boston. We're going to Boston. Yes. Um, so we're excited. Mass. It's, it's spooky season. I'm going to Salem. I'm excited. So any of my listeners up there, let us know where the best places are to go. Um, Elena and Ash from Morbid Podcast, if you're listening to this, holler. Holler, girls, because I'd like to take you out for drinks. And for those that don't listen to True Crime Podcast, like Morbid, <laughs> like Britt, but she loves listening to them. They are phenomenal. They're hysterical. They're the number one true crime comedy podcast, and they're amazing. And y'all really should listen to them. I feel like they are my friends, and I really would. I hope we run into them because Boston is so small. Yeah, just surely, just randomly, randomly. So yeah, so li- look them up. And girls, if you listen, holla, holla, take you for a drink. Anyway, so I know it's so excited, but look. Britt was just doing something really funny. She had the hiccups and she was talking about she rubs her stomach to get rid of the hiccups. And then she said that she does that to Isabella. And I was confused as does she rub her own belly to get rid of Isabella's hiccups or Isabella's belly. And so I rubbed that cute little puppy belly 
So then she has more hiccups than any puppy ever. It's because she doesn't keep her mouth shut ever. Well, I just rub her tummy and they go away. But I mean, hiccups are just, um, you know, spasm. It's just stomach spasm. I don't rub my own stomach to get rid of my hiccups. I hold my breath. But I can't tell my dog to hold her breath. And I'm certainly not going to hold her muzzle. No, please don't do that. <laughs> so that's so th- So then I thought a good, a good episode would be, let's talk about the stupid things that we do <laughs> for, with, or to our dogs. I don't think that's stupid. Well, when you rub in her belly to get rid of her hiccups. But it works. It's only stupid if it doesn't work. Uh, so I want to hear from our listeners. I want you guys to email us and tell us the crazy things that you do to your dogs, for your dogs, or any of your animals to help them through things. What dumb things, or just dumb things at night, or during the day. Oh, like your like nighttime routine. Like your nighttime routine. Like, do you put your dog in a bed and then, you know, tuck them in with a blanket and fluff up their pillow? Guilty. See? So... Isabella has her own pillow, and I fluff it and put it where it's supposed to go. So you can you can hate all you want. I clean Jake's bed for him. I mean, it's like vacuumed. I vacuum his dog bed. So I. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. All right, but we want to hear from you guys. I want I want to hear from you to see what you do, and then we'll just read them. We'll read them on an episode. Yeah. And here's the thing is you're not alone. There are people that have these serious routines with their dogs, and it's quite humorous. And I get tickled. Well, my dog is a little spoiled, as you know. But she's a good girl. Mostly. So, you know, it's it's okay if they're spoiled as long as they're not a spoiled brat. Well. She can be a brat. Sometimes she's Let's be real. (laughs) So anyway, last we've just gone off on a tangent. All right, what are we five minutes? What are we talking about this week? (laughs) This week, I want to talk about breaking your training down into segments or sections or compartments, (laughs) components (laughs) or components. You can really they can break them all down. It breaking it down into steps. Now, I'm not just talking about teaching like a sit and breaking that into steps or down. I'm talking about real life training of like taking your dog into public, into, um, you know, going hiking, going to the park, uh, going to a big box store or home improvement store, somewhere where you or even the pet store and you want to take your dog and, you know, take them in so they can pick out a new toy. The problem with a lot that people run into is they try to take their dog to say the pet store dog's been out to the pet store once in a year. Mm -hmm. They get out of the car and they walk right into the store and their dog is horrible. Yeah. Barking, lunging, pulling, not listening, trying to sniff everything. And people just, they just give up and they stop taking their dog places. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Dog park. Dog park. Yeah, Britt stopped going dog park, which is not necessarily the worst thing, but Isabella does need some more friends. But let's take instead if, like the if dog park. If anyone wants to send an application in <laughs> to be, to Isabella's, be Isabella's new friend. You kind of have to be local. If anybody wants to send in applications, I will be reviewing those. 
And we will shout out Isabella's new friend here in a mm-hmm. six weeks or so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the and the sillier that you have as far as routines with your dog, you might actually make your application in the front of the line. That's true. Because you'd fit perfect. Um, but now let's take let's take the pet store because I know a lot mm-hmm. of people like to take their dog to the pet store. Yeah. And then they get embarrassed and then they don't do it anymore. Or they want to take a dog to now that things are starting to open back up a little bit, fairs, um, fall festivals, right? You <laughs> see, you get stressed out with that. <laughs> it's totally, that seems scary. Home Depot is easy and Petco is easy. She's, yeah, because she's pretty used to that. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime that you're taking your dog somewhere, you really have to give them a chance to learn how to behave in that environment. Just because your dog is really good at home doesn't mean they're necessarily prepared for that environment. Right. So I want to talk about how we can help your dog be successful in that environment by breaking the training, breaking the environment down into segments or sections. Right. Yeah. I don't think I ever even considered doing that. I think it was just kind of like, Get on in there, girl. Let's do this. Yeah, because you have a plan, right? You're like, I need to go in. I need to get flowers. Or I need to go to PetSmart because I need food. Well, even even just during the socialization days, of there's no agenda. It's just we're going in here. Um, I don't, I don't know that I broke it down. Or maybe I did, and I don't realize I did it. I think you did in small, in, in small steps. But Isabella had been going to... Um, like the big home improvement stores since she was a puppy. You're allowed to say Home Depot and Lowe's. Okay, Home Depot and Lowe's. They're the only two. <laughs> I mean, besides Ace. I mean, you know, of course we have True. listeners all over. They may not know what Home Depot and Lowe's True is. True value, I don't know. You know, they may have a, a different type of store. But it's, she was used to that. So for her, that environment was normal. Whereas a lot of these dogs that don't get out as a young pup, those are not normal areas. So how would you how would you break that down? So it's going to depend a lot on the dog on how um, really how socialized they are, how used to the environment they are, if they've been exposed enough. Um, but let's just break it down into some simple steps, and okay. we'll take the Home Depot because mm-hmm. <laughs> I can say that I will take the Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you want to do is you never want to t- go somewhere, get out of the car and just take your dog straight in if they're not prepared for that. Imagine if you're one who loves bright lights, loud sounds, and somebody just drops you off in the middle of a circus and then starts barking orders at you. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the stress? Yeah. You know, and this is, it's, you know, you kind of think about it. It's, you take people with ADHD um, and you put them with something that has so many components to it, they can't be responsive. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot to dogs. It was actually kind of like me when I walked into Spirit Halloween a couple of weekends ago. For uh, You got a little distracted. Oh, I was so distracted. I was like, I was every hour, everywhere. I was looking. I was just walking and I'm looking. And yeah, it was ridiculous because it's overwhelming for me in a good way. Which I'm imagining that a lot of dogs would see going somewhere like that as overwhelming in a good way. Now, I don't recommend doing this if your dog is overly anxious, um, fearful, nervous, not socialized with people. Please don't be taking them to places where people are everywhere. You need to start doing other things before you do that. 
But let's just take the dog who is social, outgoing, has been exposed a decent amount, um, but we want to have the dog become better at somewhere like Home Depot. So the first things first, we get in the, you know, we get in the car, we get there. If your dog is anxious in the car or gets really barky in the car, like barking at the other cars, bicycles, motorcycles, things like that, I'd recommend giving them something to do in the car, like a stuffed topple, um, which is a new West Paul design toy, which I love, a lickety mat, something to keep them calm or even put them in a crate so they can't see. Because if you've allowed your dog to get worked up that 20-minute drive, then you're already 20 minutes into your training session. And these really only are about 30 to 45-minute sessions anyway. Yeah. So you'll want to make sure that your dog is fairly calm in the car. Once you get there, it starts. You may not even be getting out of the car yet because if your dog is barking or too excited in the car, you don't even want to get out yet. So obviously we're doing this without the idea of going in to get something. Yeah, don't go don't go getting your perennials today. Right. Or if you know if there's two of you, one can go get the perennials and the other's working with the dog. But it's you've got to really be focused to do this. So that in the future you can go take your dog and go get the perennials and then leave. So I would say that inside the car is really kind of segment 1. Okay. Or section one. Okay. I haven't figured out what word I want to use. Um, component one. Uh, compartment S- one. Step one. Step one. So, so she looks at me like I, I do make things <laughs> difficult. So step one is in the car. Once my dog is calm in the car, then I'm ready to get out of the car. But only in, when my dog is calm in the car. Now, I'm not looking for perfection. Your dog can be interested, but I don't want this like jumping back and forth on the seats, barking, whining, you know, the whining stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause Isabella does that sometimes, not as much anymore. No, she's much better. Now it's when we pass the campground and she thinks we're going camping. Oh yeah. She loves to camp. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's an issue. But <laughs> <laughs> so segment one, step one. We get out of the car. Well, we're in the car. Then we get out of the car. So that would be step two. Then I get to stand just at the car. Because if your dog can't stand at the car and be responsive to commands or walk on a relaxed leash with you right at the car, then you're screwed Yeah. when you get closer. Right? So that's where you're going to want to stay right there at beside the car and make sure that you are giving the dog an opportunity to acclimate. Now, this is the other thing. You don't want to get out of the car and immediately start barking orders. Mm-hmm. Get out of the car and just stand for 30 seconds. And let your dog just stand for 30 seconds. Hold the leash relaxed. Put a thumb in your pocket with the leash hand. Whatever you have to do, but don't be pulling on the dog, yanking on the dog, trying to get the dog to stop. Just let the dog acclimate. Imagine all the smells that are coming at the dog. Yeah. Not only that, but the sounds. You may have trucks backing up, machinery bringing out lumber, um, a lot of the Home Depots and Lowe's have their mulch and rocks right in the parking lot. So there's a lot of smells there with the mulch. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, which you can use as a reward as well, le- allowing them to sniff there. But we'll get there. But you just want to stand there. I would give your dog a good minute or two to settle. And settle just looks like controlled excitement. Okay? If he does not settle, guess what we're going to do? 
I'm going to guess we're going back to, into the car. Yes, we're going to put him right back into the car for a quick little, you can call it a timeout. You can also call it a little decompression. I like that. Decompression. That makes, yeah. yeah. That Just makes to say, okay, you got a little overwhelmed. So we talk about that cup. Let's mm-hmm. go to the cup real quick. I'm not sure if we've talked about the cup often or lately. We have, just not in a while. Okay, so a dog's brain is like a cup, and you have different size cups. So right now, Britt and I are having a beer. She has a regular pint glass cup. Me, I have a nice tall for a nice nice Hefeweizen from Germany. Yeah, I got a cider. You got a cider, so you have a a smaller cup, right? I have a tall cup. Now, with our cups, every dog's brain is like a cup. Your young pups, puppies, they have very small cups. It's like children that have to drink out of sippy cups. Mm. Small cups. Yeah. Right? As you get into an adult, you get those big two-handed cups with your big beer in it. Or is that just me? I, yeah. I'm just envi- like trying to envision how many uh, <laughs> adults... Anyway, need a big sippy cup? No, no, like, they do need a sippy cup. Two handed, but that's cool. Yeah, the two handed I mean, cup. All right, so I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's a big cup. It is a big cup. And as a dog ages, their cup grows. So you can look at that as the brain is maturing. So the cup is growing bigger. Now, there's your cup. That's your brain. Every cup is going to have holes in the bottom of it. The size of the holes will be dependent on age, exposure, social socialization, learning. Um, so when you're starting out as a puppy, you got fairly small holes in the bottom of the cup. If the dog has been taught to problem solve um, and has been allowed to experience the world, their holes will be a little bit bigger on the bottom of the cup. Mm-hmm. So... We have our cup size and we have our hole sizes. Keep in mind that just because your dog has a large cup doesn't mean they have big holes on the bottom. So everything that we do with our dog, everything that we teach them, everything that we are um, exposing them to goes into this cup. So your drive over, anything they see is filling that cup. When they get out of the car, all the noises, the smells, the people, that's all filling the cup. If a dog doesn't have really good holes on the bottom, their cup is going to run over fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. If there are good holes on the bottom, then as you fill the cup, it's draining. It's filling and draining so that the cup can hold more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you're are you visualizing it? So, when you have a dog who has a decent-sized cup, but maybe not big holes, then just standing outside the car, their cup can runneth over. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Right? So, then you put them back in the car to allow it to drain so that you can put some more in it. Yeah. So, that's going to be different with every dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you have to be able to look at your dog and see what that looks like. Yeah. So, if your dog's cup runneth over... They're going to need some decompression to allow some drainage. Now, it could be that your cu- your dog can only hold so much in their cup, and you may can only just stand outside the car, and that's it. And that's okay, all right, because that's a step forward. 
By doing that, you're actually helping to create larger holes in the bottom of your dog's cup. Mm -hmm. Each training session, each positive training session, each exposure, um, each environmental change can allow the holes on the bottom of the cup to go a little bit bigger. All right, so we're outside the car. The dog needed to go back in the car. He's decompressed. He's drained a little bit. We're back outside the car. Again, I'm just letting the dog acclimate. If the dog finally chills out and relaxes, then I might start doing just a little bit walking just right there in the parking lot. Yeah. Okay. If the dog is listening well and doing well, then I can go to my next step. Which is? Depends on where you park at in the parking lot. Okay, well, I have a uh, I have a habit of parking. Five miles away. Five miles away. She will pass three parking spots. On the garden section side. It's ridiculous. By the mulch and the pine straw. And y'all know exactly where that is. Yes. So then if that case, if we're parked there, then your step three would be around the mulch and the pine straw. I mean, it's just easier and that's a to very, get but, in and out of the parking lot but there. But I will tell you that by doing it right there, you're making things more difficult. I guess in my brain, I, th- I feel like it's easier because there are less people there. Less people's easy for you, but if the dog is really loving to use their nose, that's actually more challenging. I see. Yes. So I'll tell you what. Instead of being at the garden section right now, let's move our parking space down by the entrance. And we park fairly close. So then to the grills. To the grills. And the lawnmower. Yes. So sec- step three would be the front of the store. However, we have to make sure that we're making our dog stay on a relaxed leash and follow cues as we approach the front of the store. We can't let the dog pull us up to the front of the store. So you may be walking in the parking lot just a little bit as you decrease your distance to the front of the store. All right, so we've done that. Now we're at the front of the store. And I don't mean inside, I mean outside. Outside would be your step three. Okay. At that point, we get to just stand again. I mean, like, away from the sensor on the door so it's not opening and closing. Yes, thank you. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So stand off to the side. Only because I can see me being a complete dumbass and nice. just standing, just standing there, there in and the way the door open and close. And yeah. The dog looking at me like you're an idiot. Yeah. And people be like, what the hell are you doing? What is, <laughs> what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Uh, so yeah, off to the side. And when I step to the side and I'm standing over there, I will allow my dog to really sniff a lot. Now I won't necessarily follow them. I, I like to try to find a spot But if I have a six-foot leash, I'll allow that six-foot space around me to be sniffed. because, And I'm not giving any cues to my dog. I'm not asking them to do anything. I'm not asking for attention. It's just letting them acclimate. Mm -hmm. Just letting them get used to the environment. Take it all in. Because there's a lot that we're not seeing that we're not uh, being aware of. So a lot of just standing. People tend to forget or I guess not really forget because a lot don't know. Stationary exercises are very important, which means sometimes just standing and doing nothing, but allowing your dog to ingest everything that, that's in the environment. Yeah, I'm 
I've obviously known about stationary work for as long as I've known you. I totally skipped that with Isabella. And I, I'm feeling the repercussions of that sometimes. It's the first, usually the first two classes of our group classes are stationary. Uh, yeah, because there's a lot of self-control that is involved in stationary work. Yes, on that's both parts. Taught, yeah, that's taught for both yeah. parties. And because um, let's let's, definitely yeah. just skipped right over that one. Well, let's face it. If your dog can't stand still taking in um, other dogs, then how do you expect to walk around them? Right? If your dog can't stand, because when, they're, when you're standing, it lowers the energy of everything. So it actually sets your dog up for success. Yeah. So don't feel like if you're just standing somewhere or sitting somewhere with your dog, that's still training. You're still teaching. Yeah. Don't take that for granted at all. Less is best in these situations. Less commands, less movement. Didn't we? We had a conversation not long ago about this, didn't we, in the prisons where our inmate trainers for retrieving independence, sometimes, you know, it appears like they're not doing anything. Yes. But actually what they're doing is stationary work where they literally are just sitting with the dog, which is so important. And, you know, you had, you had a complaint about it. Like they're not doing anything. Well, actually, no, they are. Yeah. They're, this is a very important step because most, training. yeah, because service dogs especially spend a lot of time in stationary positions. Right. Exactly. Especially in public. Yeah. So I, I find that interesting how, in, you know, how important that is. But it does. It looks it like, hey, I'm training my dog. People are like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. <laughs> really, right. I promise you, I am. And that's why, you know, I tell get people to understand in the group classes you are learning right here. You're teaching right now. I know you're not moving. You're not giving commands. But what you should be doing is once your dog is acclimated a little bit and they're not sniffing as much and they're more just kind of standing around, now you can start asking for a couple of cues. And my recommendations is asking for things that you know your dog knows just to see if they're tuned in and if they're able to be responsive. Notice I said able, mm-hmm. not choose to be responsive. Able, yeah, which means are they tuned into you, and do they have the space in the cup <laughs> to be able to take in what you're asking? Right, because a lot of people I will see the dog is so distracted and they're just barking orders at the dog. Like that's going to help. Uh, yeah, I I see that a lot. Yeah, like imagine you know somebody running around screaming and you're shouting and barking orders at them. Is that going to make them stop running around screaming? Uh, I think that most uh, most teachers would probably say no. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, probably doesn't work. I don't no, know. <laughs> I, it really doesn't. So, you know, you just got to relax and just stand. And don't forget, of course. And I was going to say, not, are you going to say reward? I know. I'm sorry. Don't Y'all should know by now. Everything is is with rewarding. Right? We're always rewarding. We're having a good variety of treats. Just enough to taste. And you can start rewarding your dog when they start relaxing and not sniffing everything before you even ask for any type of cue. Mm-hmm. Because you'll know if they're tuned in, if you're like, oh, what a good boy. And that head whips around away from that grill that they were sniffing. Yeah. Okay, they're tuned in. I don't ask for a ton of commands, a ton of behavior, but I will start just to see if they're tuned in. Maybe doing a little walking just right there. Mm-hmm. Because when you get in the store... 
there's going to be more walking than stationary once you get to that point. So that's one of those things I want to see if the dog is, is kind of tuned into me. Once the dog is good there. Now, well, let's go back. If that dog is not good there, we might have to go back for a decompression in the car, or there might be a little grassy area off to the side where it's quiet. Mm -hmm. That can be a decompression zone too, to allow the dog just to go there and sniff, potty, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So don't think you have to go back to the car. Some of you may take 30 to 45 minutes just to get to step three. I think that's important for people to know. That that you don't rush it. That it, it could take quite a bit of time. Yes. And, but I don't recommend you go past an hour in these training sessions and an hour is pushing it. 30 to 45 minutes is really my top and hours pushing. Anytime I do field trips with my clients and we're doing this, it's usually an hour and that allows me 15 minutes to talk before and after the session. If you only make it to step three and that's the front of the store, you've accomplished a lot. Great job. Go home, do it again the next day. Yeah. Right. So don't feel bad if that's the only place you make it because you've done a lot in that time. Once the dog is, we'll just say the dog is there and he's good. We're ready to go to step four. At that point, step four is actually just inside the store. So I'm walking in the entrance and then I'm going to walk off to the side to where maybe the um, patio furniture is. Or a section that's just off to the side to where nobody's walking really. And I'll just stand there. Notice I'm not even walking around the store yet. So not not where the carts are. You not get where past, the carts are. Get past, get the, past carts. the carts. Yes. I'm so glad you bring these things. That's why I have you on here. Okay, listen, y'all. Full disclosure. Every time I'm in a hardware store, I get asked if I work there. Because apparently I've been in them enough that I know where everything is. It is kind of ridiculous. And I have like become like a dad where I start giving unsolicited <laughs> advice to people. That commercial. About things. Listen, this guy was asking about how to fix a door one time. and He's asking the guy in the paint department. And the guy- John in, in paint, who's, who's my buddy. Shout out to John. Because he and I see each other frequently. Uh, it's like, dude, I... I have no, I was like, hey man, let me help you out with this. Really? I will, I led that dude. And this is a woman that can be out somewhere and only talk to two people and only say six words. It's impressive. I know. Cause the guy's like, well, is it a hollow door? And uh, he's like, yeah, unfortunately. And John's like, I don't know. I would replace the door. And I was like, no, this, no, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, if you haven't figured out yet, I don't do anything around this house. And I, don't, there, I don't fix things. There are professionals listening to this right now going like, no, you can't. You, you can't fix a hollow door. You can't. Dude's selling his house. He doesn't care what it looks like. It's probably not that important. Just got to pass inspection. Dude, I'll show you how. Come here. Wow. Let's go down to this aisle. Wow. I will teach you. I will teach you. That's impressive. Here, here's that. It's impressive. <laughs> All these little tidbits. Anyway, anyway, that's so, why I said that about the carts because I, I'm like, which which yeah. department are we actually yes. talking about here? Do not just stand at the carts. You want to be off to the side to where it's not real distracting. It's still going to be very distracting, but not where people are back and forth, back and forth. Which brings up a good point because I'm glad you brought that up. People are going to want to pet your dog. If your dog is not in control, tell them you're in training and let them move on. Employees especially. Especially employees. Because they carry treats in yes. those aprons. Yes. So make sure that. 
if the dog is not, if the dog is being good, give them the great command and let them say hi. And then you reward them for being good. But do not feel like you have to let people pet your dog. Okay. So step four would be just inside. And you get to stand there just like we did in step one, two, and three. Okay. So I'm not going to go through all that again. We've got the dog sniffing. Dog finally calms down. We, we rewarding calmness. Then we start asking for a few behaviors. Then we do a little walking. Then we're ready for step five, which then could be the beginning of walking around the store. Once you start walking around the store, your rewards, your verbal praise should be constant. And you should make sure you change direction regularly to keep the dog tuned in. Mm. Do not head to the, the garden section just yet because that garden section is very challenging. That garden section is challenging for me without a dog. I know. Uh-huh. I know. That's why I have to put a leash on you. It's and, my favorite place in the reward world. reward you for <laughs> leaving things alone. Let's be real. I use threats in aversive training with her. Do not touch that plant. We have enough plants. I bought something at Home Depot yesterday that I have to take back. And I'm just beginning now to realize that maybe I, I actually do that on purpose just so I have to. Just go back in here. <laughs> Could you buy me that woman that floats the next time that you're over there? They sold her. Oh, of course they, they did. They sold the display. She's gone. Y'all, Halloween spooky season. Anyway, I see we're getting off topic. All Sorry, right. guys. I know. We, we do Sorry, that. Sorry, guys. So we're just making up for no podcast last week. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about when you've done that training session, right? We've left. Now we're coming back. And we've done this, let's say we, we practice this a few times a week. We're a couple weeks in to now visiting Home Depot. And we're becoming like Brittany, where we know where everything is. Okay. And people think you're working there. Okay. Your step one will probably no longer be in the car. Step one may be right outside the car. Or step one could be in front of the store, depending mm-hmm. on how good your dog is. Then step two is inside the store. Mm-hmm. Step three is walking the store. Step four is near the garden section. Because it's getting, there's a lot of, I know that our Home Depot is starting to carry dog food and dog products near the garden section. No, that's Lowe's. Okay, Lowe's. Um, are you sure Home Depot's not? It's Lowe's. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> step four might be near the garden section. Don't question me. About I know, I shouldn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> step five would be the garden section. All right. So that manure, right? All that. Step six actually could be the mulch in the parking lot, or you could park over there and start making the mulch area a section or a step, which would be more challenging than being just inside the store. Mm -hmm. The more smells, the more people, the more distraction. There's a lot of birds that are over there. That is a hard area. So you may not want to start in that area, work your way to that area. If you can get out of your car, walk your dog inside Home Depot and start walking around shopping, now you're ready to start parking at the garden section and doing step by step there. Yeah. How's that? Give you some very clear on that. That works. Right? Yeah. It is important that you do this in small steps to allow the dog success and to learn how to acclimate. And if you do this with many different areas... Your dog will start to learn that any new area is just like the old areas and you won't have to do these step by step, but you will need to do some different places, right? So the park, when people say, I want to take my dog hiking, 
He's terrible on the trail. Okay, don't do that then. Start just outside the car at the park, in the parking lot. Start there. Dog's good there. Go to the trailhead. Start there. Yeah. Then if your dog is good at those two places, start walking the trail, but know that you may not make it down the trail all the way. Maybe you only make it in five, 15, 20 yards inside the trail. And that becomes your step three. Yeah, I'm just I'm just now realizing Isabel and I have a, I, what I didn't realize was an acclimation period while we're, before we hike in that I'm getting everything ready, but I already have her hooked to the belt. Perfect. And I'm in the trunk getting tr- her treats, getting the water together, getting everything. But she has the, f- you know, the ability to sniff and kind of walk around and get acclimated to that. And I never realized that that's actually what we're doing. Because if I just pulled her out of the car, like we did it. I mean, it's going to bring that up. Yeah. A community yard sale. Yeah. Last weekend. Uh, Yeah. She like. She's not very good. She would be a disaster on the trail. Uh, But she gets that, you know, sort of, okay, here's where I am. Here's what we're doing. I like it. You call it the acclimation period. I'm going to hold on to that one. Because it's it's really you're what welcome. you're doing. You're you're giving an acclimation period, and over time you won't have to do that because she'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is what we do." Oh I, yeah, right? I mean when we go and she recognizes, uh, yeah. where we are. If it's an if it's a trail that we've been on several times, you know, and She's I've already got, got everything it. together, it's fine. Today we we did a new trail. Uh, we've done a couple of new trails the past couple times we've been actually, and that's been a little more difficult. Mm. Um, lot, lots of different smells and things on these trails. So, so p- y'all need to keep that in mind. That, you know, yeah, the dogs are seeing things. This is the first time you're seeing still dirt trail, rocks, sticks, trees, leaves, bushes, falling down trees. But dogs see different smells, different looks, and things. Yeah, and, and th- this is nerdy. Yeah, That's all right. We've already accomplished that, or we've already admitted we are all very nerdy. I'm a, I like to look for rocks and fossils and, you know, nerdy things. And so the reason we've been going to these two new parts of the trail is because there are streams there that actually have different sediment and different rocks than, say, up close to the lake where we usually hike. Um, And then there's a small stream there that comes off of the lake. So this stream is coming from a different source. Yeah. So there are a lot of different smells there. Obviously, because the rocks are different, the wildlife's also... Like, it's a completely different... It's like a... Not a completely different ecosystem, but it it has... It varies from other parts of of the park so and if you recognize that she's really going to recognize it yeah like i know i can find more of my fossils on this part of the park than i can over here uh so anyway just throwing that out there yeah and that is it's important to recognize that that it's not all just black and white for dogs right one trail is not another trail now once Mm -hmm. they get enough trails under their system then it all will be like, oh, okay, this is just a trail. 
Right. And it's not that she's bad no. on a new trail. It's just, huh, I don't remember this smell. Smelling this tree 14 times already. Right. So <laughs> when you were, so I made the mistake. We went to community yard sale last weekend. And I wanted, we took Isabella with us. And I thought, okay, we'll just, we're not going to go long. I got uh, out of the car. We parked in between a couple of houses uh, and that were easy to walk to. And I got Isabella out of the car and immediately started walking to the yard sale without giving her a chance to acclimate to anything. She wasn't horrible, but she definitely could have been better. And I realized as I'm in the middle of the yard sale looking and she's trying to sniff everything, I totally did what I'm telling my clients not to do. Y'all, Nikki at a yard sale is like me at the Home Depot. It's a she gets real excited about it. I really do. I do. And, <laughs> and there was no there was no acclimation period. There was no acclimation period. Dog. And so I realized that that probably was not a good idea to take her because I was not going to spend the time to acclimate her. So she had to sit in the truck. We only hit like, we only had a couple. That was not a good yard sale day. The last one we hit was our, was our best house. Um, and we actually just left her in the truck for that. And it wasn't her fault. It was my fault. I should have known I was going for a purpose and it wasn't to work with her. I guess I'm just, I'm ready for that older dog who can take anywhere and do anything, just acclimate easily. Cause that's what I've always had. Um, but here's another thing that brings up a really good point. My Roddies have always been very good at acclimating. Now, since they were puppies, uh, they went to different locations. Uh, day in Dublin, her first six weeks of her life with me, she was. we were like in three different states at three different seminars. So she knew that, that it was nothing to have things, your environment different. Right. So she could easily get out anywhere and be like, okay, whatever. She was a Rottweiler. Isabella is a Border Collie. So when you're looking at these dogs that have this major kind of chaos coordinators we've talked about in the past, they're not going to acclimate as easily and as quickly when it's that much to absorb Mm -hmm. because of their genetics. Especially if you have one that fixates on certain things. Yes. Uh, luckily, I don't have that issue with... With the dog who's well, okay. who's knocking on the door right now to come into our recording room, <laughs> which, let's be real, is just the office. She just She's like, y'all are talking about me. I want to go yard sailing. She wants to see what's up. But yeah, I mean, so for her, she's going to take a little bit longer to acclimate. Uh, one of our clients I worked with the other day at Home Depot has a border doodle. Hey, Barney. <laughs> He's so cute. Barney's adorable. We... Finally did make it in into the garden section. It was an hour session. We parked right by the mulch. <laughs> and But we used the mulch also as um, a reward. So if the dog walked nicely and relaxed, then we'd give the dog a go sniffy yeah. and got to go sniff all that. So you get some of that scent work in there as <clears throat> well. Yeah, which is nice and, and relaxing for a dog. So we, were, we used that quite a bit. And then we used this section right in front of the garden section. excuse me y'all um which was where you know they had the plants all outside the fencing area we started there and then we finally made it in just for a little bit um, and then out and that was it that was as far as we made it in an hour 
And that was okay because we got a lot accomplished in an hour. The dog probably could have been done at 30, 40 minutes because it's still a puppy. But it really, when you break it down like that, our whole point is not to make the dog do what it needs to do right at that moment, but to set the dog up for success for the next 10 years of visitation to Home Depot, Lowe's, Pet Store, Craft Fair, Fall Festival, Mm -hmm. hiking, a birthday party at, you know, a park, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's all about breaking everything down. And if you do that and set your dog up for success, you'll be able to have your dog doing those things a lot faster, a lot sooner, and a lot less stress on you. But you got to break it down into small steps. Everything is small steps. Make sense? Totally. Totally. Any questions from you? <laughs> you threw me under the bus about doing that with Isabella. It was, it had to happen. Look, I can admit when I do wrong, I can admit when I make that mistake because sometimes my brain gets a little head of what I, you know, what my body should be doing. But, you know, it's again, making sure that you don't give up on your dog, set your dog up for success, break it down into steps and know that just because you don't make it inside the store, you still made some headway. And they're probably going to take a good nap. They'll be exhausted. All that smelling, all that exposure. The biggest is do not correct your dog. Do not punish your dog. Do not yell at your dog. Do not yank on the leash. Do not let your dog be jumping all over everybody. Don't give your dog rewards when they're being crazy. Don't be barking orders constantly. That's not going to help a thing. Relax. Breathe. Take each step as long as it takes. Give your dog a chance to decompress somewhere quietly um, if they need to. I think we actually did let the Border Doodle go and decompress after we did some walking around the mulchy area and let them let him sniff. We went back, got him some water, let him just chill out in the car for a second, and then we started again. So it's okay to take those. Don't go for like 45 minutes straight. I'd rather you do like five or 10 minutes and then take a two to five minute break. Five to 10 minutes, two to five minute break. Okay. Um, And again, just relax and enjoy the process. I think, I think that's one thing people forget. Enjoy the process. Yeah. I think that's something you need to enjoy sometimes. Am I wrong? I've gotten much better about it. You really have. You've you've, become more self-aware. You've learned a lot with Isabella. Yeah. Yeah. You're a different dog owner with Isabella than you were with Jake. Oh, Totally. Yeah. I mean, Jake's a good boy. Well, but they also have different needs. They do have different needs. And that's something to be aware of, too, um, and making sure that we're not getting, forcing them into doing things they don't want to, to do, or not comfortable doing, or not interested in doing. Or capable. Or capable of, of doing, doing, exactly. And I think we're going to be recording an episode with Amanda on that one. Yeah. That's um, why I don't, I don't want to go too far into that. Yeah, we I won't go too far. We're talking limits. Yes. With Amanda. Yes, limits with Amanda. Uh, so yeah, so that's it. Um, if you have questions, hit us up, and um, we'd love to hear some of the crazy things that you do with your dog. Crazy things, you know? Do you do you tuck them into a bed? Silly is a better word. Silly is a better word. I have some that have uh, put their dogs in um, bassinets. I've had more than one client do that. Uh, so yeah, it's it's some interesting things. And I think it's phenomenal. I think it's beautiful. I love that we have that relationship with the dogs, that you just do something cute and crazy with them. 
I don't. I never really did anything cute and crazy. I mean, I would put out two or three collars for Tiba, the ones that the three collars that I kind of chose for that day. Right. And I would let her pick out which collar she wanted to wear. That was maybe the silliest thing I did she with her. She got to choose her clothing for the she day. She got to choose her clothing for the day. Um, of course, except during football season. And she was always wearing her Florida Gator collar. Uh, she should At least be. on Saturdays. During the week, she could change out. So, all right. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, if you're in Boston, uh, hit us up. Tell us where we need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Elena Ash from Morbid, if you're listening, hit us up, girls. I you think we could be best friends. Really riding that one hard. I am because I love them and I got to write my listeners' tale and send it to them because oh, they're phenomenal. Uh, but I do want to hear from you guys. Send us a, um, an email at podcast at dogspeak101.com or info at dogspeak101.com. Either is fine. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you're not a Patreon member, check it out. Right now, Patreon members in the tier two through four. Um, it's getting free access to our, uh, zoom on demand communication seminar. And so, uh, you know, become a Patreon member. You get all kinds of fun things. There's training videos, um, all good stuff. So we love you. We appreciate you. And I really do hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of the week.